This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. And if you'll go with me to the book of Psalms, and I want us to read it together. And I'm praying that God will speak to us and give us light and give us clarity. We need clarity, don't we? Our, our world is characterized today by chaos, disorder, and we need clarity in the midst of it. We come to Psalm 12 and verse number 1. I want you to say the first two words together with me, would you? We'll begin. Help, Lord. <laughs> you ever find yourself saying that? Amen. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity. It means they speak lies. Everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I rise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. I want you to notice that phrase we find in verse number eight. When the vilest men are exalted. Uh, we live in a nation that has exalted vile men. Wicked men. Unruly men. And David was living in such a day David lived in the time of the closing of the period of the judges. The Bible says that what characterized the days of the judges was that there was no king in Israel. There was no leadership in Israel. For every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was no governance. There was no control. There was no authority. There was no clarity. And the days and period of the judges is characterized by chaos. There are two examples given for us in the book of Judges of the chaos of the day. The first is given to us, I believe, beginning in chapter number 17. In that 17th chapter, we have the tale of idolatry and how that a man established his own religion and hired a Levite to be his priest and he he made a, 
an image of silver, a very expensive image of silver. And he hired a priest to uh, lead him in his worship of this idol. Later on, the men of Dan came through and they decided that they liked the whole idea and they took the idol and they established this idolatry as they took possession of the inheritance that God had given them. Then we have the story of a Levite who had a concubine and uh, he had gone to reclaim her. She had left him. She had played the harlot and he went back to claim her again and he visited her father's home and she agreed to go back. I don't know how much of a choice she had. But she went back with her husband on the way in the land of Benjamin. She was brutally molested, raped by a group of wicked men who were sodomites. A dreadful, dreadful, dreadful tale. I won't go into the detail of that whole record, but brutal, wicked, sinister. That event brought on a civil war between the tribe of Benjamin and the rest of the nation of Israel. There was great upheaval and unrest. At the close of the period of the judges, God raised up a man named Samuel. And Samuel loved the Lord and he was faithful to the work of God in the ministry. And God began to use Samuel to deliver him from the enemies of Israel, the Philistines. And in the midst of all of that, the people clamored for a king. They said, we want a king. We want to be like the other nations. And so God said to Samuel, you go down and anoint Saul as king. And Saul was anointed to be the king. And Saul had a good beginning, by the way, but he got off track. He was a self-willed man. He was a foolish man. And he led the people astray. Ultimately, he lost the kingdom. He disobeyed God. And God said in 1 Samuel chapter 16, I'll seek a man after mine own heart. And that man was David. David became the king. He was anointed while he was a boy, a shepherd boy. He was overlooked by his family. And Samuel anointed him to be the king. Saul hated him because he was jealous of him and wanted to put him to death. You remember that David fled from Saul for a number of years and had opportunities to take Saul's life but refused to do it because he feared God. Ultimately, Saul died and David was established as the king. As we come to chapter number 12, we find that David is lamenting the condition of the nation of Israel. He has done so in chapter number 11, and he continues to do so in these, this 12th chapter. Uh, during the reign of Saul, and we believe that that's when this 11th Psalm was 
penned and perhaps the events that unfolded in Psalm 12 followed that. Uh, during that period when Saul was reigning, David was fleeing from a madman, a wicked man. And it appeared to him as if the foundations of the nation were being destroyed. Uh, of course, we have read that verse many times in Psalm 11 and verse 3. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? David thought this whole thing is coming apart. We've got a wicked ruler. We've got a wicked nation. We've got a formidable foe, the Philistines, who are raging after us. Now the Ammonites are coming after us. It was upon that occasion that the people cried out for a king. They said, enough is enough. We want a king. You see, they had been living in a, an endless cycle of judgment. They turned away from God. They forgot God. And so the Lord sold them into the hand of their enemies, and they were delivered into a bondage. And once they were in bondage, what did they do? They did what most of us do when we get in trouble. They cried out to God and said, God, deliver us. And so the Bible says in the book of Judges that the Lord raised up deliverers who delivered them from their oppressors. These were people who were endued with power from God. They were oftentimes military leaders. They were people with different backgrounds and from different tribes, and God used them in different ways. But after a while, they, they said, we're, we're tired of that. We're tired of God doing things his way. We know we've forsaken him and forgotten him, but we think the answer is to find a king. And their king greatly disappointed them. And their nation seemed to be falling apart. That's the context that David finds himself in in Psalm 12. When the vilest men are exalted. Now I want you to note some things in this passage. I want you to notice first of all the cry. It's a simple cry, isn't it? It's just two words. We find it in verse 1. Would you say it with me again? Help, Lord. Help, Lord. For the faithful fail. The godly man ceaseth. Excuse me. For the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. Here's the appeal of his cry. Help. It's a verb. It means, Lord, would you save me? Would you help me? Would you deliver me? Would you defend me? The meaning of this verb is that we would be brought to a place of safety or broad pasture. The word for affliction in the Bible often is a word that is used is called straight. It means to be pressed in, in a narrow place, to, 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 be, to be pushed in, to, to have opposition and difficulty all around us. 
to the point that we feel like we're being pressed in. And what is he asking for in that moment? He's saying, Lord, would you help me? Would you deliver me and set me in a broad place? Free me from all of this. This word conveys the idea of deliverance from tribulation, from certain death, from one's enemies. It speaks of the protective duty of a shepherd to protect his sheep. It speaks of the wrongs that must be avenged and the compassionate aid that is extended to someone in the time of need. Here we find David in a time of need and what does he cry for? He cries for help. Why is he crying for help? Because he says in verse number one, the godly man ceaseth for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Think about David, a man that God was seeking for, a man after God's own heart, living in the dark days of the nation's history. When that uh, which was right in the eyes of men is what determined the actions of a man. And everybody had their own opinions and everybody did that which was right in their own eyes. And now God is calling David to establish order and governance and lead the people to him. Remember now, he is the shepherd boy. He is a man after God's own heart. But he's living in a nation that has a lot of people who aren't. A lot of people who aren't. So he cries out for help. What is the prayer that we need to ask God to help us with tonight? What's the appeal that we should make? Lord, help us. As, as, as I watched the events of this day, and I watched them, and I couldn't stop watching them, I watched a group of people break in to the Capitol building. I couldn't believe what I saw. Now, I can't believe what I've seen all summer, can you? I can't believe that in March we had a shutdown. We've been shut down off and on. There's talk of another shutdown. We're dealing with a virus. It's a very difficult thing, isn't it? We're told one thing. Then we're told another thing. We're told one thing by a certain group and another thing by another group. we can see that some of these groups have agendas and we do not trust them. And people form different opinions, even in the church. People form different opinions. Wide and varied opinions, even in a church like ours wide and varied thoughts about our meetings and how we should 
conduct those meetings. Lots of opinions, lots of thoughts. They're not all consistent. And it proposes a problem, doesn't it? And you wonder what the answer is? And then you enter into a time where you see lawlessness and anarchy in the streets of America and our leaders do nothing? The news media says nothing? And you feel like the foundations are being destroyed. Candidates who embrace socialism, unlimited abortion on demand, and promote all forms of immorality are portrayed as righteous. And those who believe in righteousness are portrayed as wicked. You have an election takes place. No matter what you think about that election, it is unlike any election that I can ever remember in my lifetime. Irregularities abound. Last-minute rule changes. And people are upset. And so today they decided to break into the Capitol building with the same degree of conviction that I would say to you that the lawlessness that swept through our land throughout the summer in the riots and the looting and the destruction of federal property, I would say with the same conviction concerning that to you, that it was wrong to do what was done today. Amen. Now the question is, who did it? Amen. And I want to say to you, I'm not a sensationalist. I don't even like preaching on things like this. But do not believe what you're told by the mainstream media. They have an agenda. They are deceivers. So what do we do? We're not the kind of people that are going to charge into the Capitol building. No, we are not. We're being lied to and misled. The foundations are crumbling. So what do we do? We cry. Help. Lord, I, I can't figure all of this out. I don't know exactly what's going on. I, I don't know exactly who to trust. So Lord, we need help. How many of you recognize that we need help tonight? That's the appeal. Then comes the address. Help, Lord. 
Would you look at the word Lord and notice that that word is in all caps. That is the designation of the name of God, Jehovah. The covenant-keeping God of Israel. God revealed His name, Jehovah. The I Am. That's what He told Moses. Who, who, who will I tell Him sent me? I Am that I Am. That's who we're praying to. That's who we're addressing. That's who we're bringing our needs to. You see, I think everybody realizes tonight that we need help. But when we need help, the question is, where do we turn? We turn to God. The true and the living God. Some foolish man prayed a prayer in the halls of Congress the other day. To the monotheistic gods. There's only one God. There's only one Savior. There's only one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one God. No other way to heaven but through Jesus. So when we need help, we can go to Him. He is personal. He's a covenant-keeping God. He is an eternal, everlasting God. I am, He said. He is the self-sufficient One. He is our Lord. I'm grateful tonight that I can turn to Him. I don't need to turn to the media or to the social media for answers. I don't have to depend on what Dr. So-and-so has to say or some politician might say to me. There's one place that I can find sure and solid answers. I find it when I go to God. And He has given me truth and it's in His Word. It's the only place that I'm going to find the truth. It's in the Word of God. Sanctify them through Thy truth Thy word is truth. I want to encourage you. Stop spending so much of your time listening to lying, deceived voices. Listen to God. Get back to the Bible. This is where we find truth. This is where we find help. This is where we receive light. This is how we cleanse our way in a wicked, dirty world. David's cry. I'm grateful that no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what's going on in this world today, I can do something that most of this world cannot do today. I mean, they can cry out to God, but you and I can cry out to Him as our Savior. We have something that the world does not have. David's cry. Let me give you the second thought. David's concern. David's crying out for help. Help, Lord. Can you hear him cry out? Maybe from a cave? 
Help, Lord. Maybe from the palace, as he's being lied to by Joab or one of the men who were loyal to Saul and not to him. You see, if you read the life of David, it's filled with intrigue. The waters that that man had to navigate, leading the nation of Israel, bringing a group of people who had not been under a head and who were divided greatly, bringing them together and to God was a difficult thing and a difficult task. And David is concerned here in verse number one, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Do you feel that way? Verse two, they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor. Here's their lying tongue. We're, we're lied to constantly in America. Do you know that? Sure you do. Polished, professional people who pontificate, who speak to us out of their ivory palaces or out of their plush uh, chairs of media performance, lie to us on a constant basis. And the Bible says that a false witness shall not be unpunished, and he that speaketh lies shall perish. There is coming a day of judgment. I want you to understand that. God is going to judge the liars. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips. You see, not only do they have a lying tongue, but they have flattering lips. You know, we, we, we've learned how to flatter people, to say nice things, to get their favor, uh, to say things that we know they want to hear so that they will in turn do what we want them to do. It's a form of manipulation. The political world is built upon it, is it not? Flattery is used to influence people. It's used to exploit them. Flattery plays on the ego and especially influences people who want to appear to be important. That's called the pride of life. That's the fruit that Eve bit into. The pride of life. That's the fruit that all of us in our flesh desire. The pride of life. These flattering lips that they speak. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. And then we see, Another concern that he had about these wicked, unfaithful people is that they had a double heart. And with that double heart, they speak. The, the, the phrase double heart means a heart and a heart, a duplicitous heart. Jesus said in Luke 16, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man and you cannot in one hand and out of one heart seek to serve the Lord and out of another heart seek to serve the world. James 1.8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. David is concerned. What is he concerned about? He's concerned about the increase of wickedness. The vilest men are exalted. They are lying tongues with flattering lips and double hearts. Notice what they say in verse 4. Who have said with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? In other words, nobody can tell us what to do. We are supreme and we will accomplish our goals with our lips. We will deceive people. And David sees it. And he says in verse 8, the wicked walk on every side. You see, not only did he have to deal with the Philistines, but he had to deal with those in Israel who had no heart for God. He dealt with Saul, who was a man full of anger and bitterness and jealousy and rage, an insecure man, an impetuous man, who lied about David and accused him falsely. He was married to Saul's daughter. She lied about him. He had a captain named Joab who lied to David constantly to manipulate him. There was a man named Doeg who was an Edomite who was among the Levites one day when David went to the house of God and he needed some bread and he was hungry. And David himself told the priest a lie. He didn't want to tell the priest he was running from Saul. So he lied to the priest. The priest gave him bread. That's when David got the sword of Goliath and took it. There was a man named Doeg, an Edomite, who knew of it and he reported it to Saul. And Saul ordered his soldiers to kill the priests. And the soldiers wouldn't do it. And so he said to Doeg the Edomite, you do it. And Doeg did it and he killed 70 priests. Can you imagine the wickedness? 70 priests are dead? And the king of Israel ordered it to happen? And he gave the sword to an Edomite, an enemy of God. And David sees all of this happening. And you and I see all of these things happening in our world, in our nation. And we're wondering what to do. We can cry out to God. David's concerned. Let me give you the last thing. David's confidence. Hey, do you know that you and I can be confident even in this age in which we live? You know, in, in, in Mark chapter uh, 13, the disciples said, Lord, tell us, tell us, tell us what's it going to be like when you come again, the end of the world. And he said, there are going to be wars and rumors of wars. And when you see these things come to pass, be not troubled. 
Boy, it's hard not to be troubled today, isn't it? I remember when all of this, and I, I've told you the story, when all of this COVID stuff hit and they started closing businesses and closing down schools and I was at home and, <clears throat> and I, I thought to myself, this is not good. I've never seen anything like this in America. And, and I believe God gave me discernment to see beyond circumstantial things that were happening because of a disease and see beyond that to a sinister work of the devil. To begin to condition this nation and the world to receive the Antichrist. To bring a population of people under the control of governments to conform to certain things that would require them to take a mark so that they can buy and sell. I'm not telling you that what we're, ha what we're seeing happen is taking a mark. I'm not telling you that. I don't believe it is. There's a lot of controversy about the vaccine and people say, well, that's the mark of the beast. It is not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is a, something that goes in the hand or the forehead and is required for us to do commerce. Now we believe what the Bible teaches about the church and the church being raptured out. You and I won't be faced with that question. But this world is being prepared for that eventuality. The technology already exists. And we see how that this, this political machine in our world has aligned itself with business. And if you're not willing to line up with the agenda of the day, then you're going to suffer financially. This cancel culture, all of the things that we see today, Show us that this world is being conditioned for the Antichrist. So we're not ignorant. And as I said to you, when all of this began, I, I believe that in my heart, I began to see the reality of some of these things happening. And as David, I thought the foundations are being destroyed. And I remember... I. Honestly, I just felt like internally in my spirit, I was so disrupted. I said to my children and to my wife, let's read the Bible. We gathered in my family room and we began to read the Psalms together. And there was a lot of anxiousness in my heart. But as we read the Word of God, can I tell you that Jesus met us there? And into my troubled heart came a peace that passes all understanding. A hope that is steadfast and sure. And this is what David found when he cried out to God. And he began to reflect upon the Word of God. That's why we need to get in the Bible, friends. 
There's no substitute for you and I getting in the Bible. We must do it. Now, notice what he says in verse 5. For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I want to tell you, friend, one day King Jesus is coming back. <clears throat> He's going to straighten out this entire mess. He hears the cries of the needy. He sees the oppression of the poor. He knows exactly what is going on. And he said, there's coming a day when I'm going to come back and I'm going to set him in safety from him. That puffeth at him. By the way, those of us who know the Lord have already experienced that deliverance because we have been saved from the power of sin. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We've been delivered from the clutches of the devil. I told our young people yesterday in the Bible class, I want you to know that God created this world. It belongs to him. God created you and I. We belong to him. The devil showed up in the garden and he deceived Adam and he took that which belonged to God. He took the dominion of this world from the hands of Adam who received it from the hand of God and he took the soul of Adam that was made in righteousness and made him a dirty sinner. But then came Jesus into this old dirty world and he went to the cross the righteous son of God and he made the payment for our sin and he came out of the grave on the third day crushing the head of the devil and he reclaimed everything that the devil had stolen away. You see, we belong to him. We're on the victory side. We need to remind ourselves of that, don't we? Verse 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Where was David's confidence? It was in the word of God. You see, the circumstances weren't good. And in the midst of the circumstances, and as a troubled young man, David cried out to God, and God answered his prayer and reminded him of his truth. And David rejoiced in his word. These words of the Lord are pure words. They come from God. As silver tried in the furnace of earth purified seven times. These are the purest words. This Bible is the word of God. You can have confidence in the word of God. It is the life-giving Inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. And if God said it, that settles it. Let's rest on him and what he said. Verse 7, there's some debate about what this, re this verse references. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. I believe the natural reading of that is that God preserved his word, and he uh, will keep his word. He inspired it, and he keeps it. Others say that this refers to the people of God. And I say, either way, you're right. 
Because God's word is pure and is preserved. And if you and I will allow God's word to permeate us, the preserving agent of God's word will keep our heart and our mind. And just as God will keep his word forever, he's promised to keep us forever. Hasn't he? David's confidence. What is our confidence today? It must be in the word of God. So where do we look? We look to him. Are we crying out? Well, we need to be. Are we concerned? Of course we are. Then let's look to God and be confident in him. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used his word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.